Welcome to the Bethel Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Candace Johnson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit Bethel.com. I wanted to open up with one of my favorite scriptures, and it's a scripture that we have all heard before and read, but as I'm reading it, I just want you to invite you in to something I feel that the Lord is saying, come closer and come deeper. It's one thing to, to read truth, to know truth, to experience it, but in God, there's always more. And as I'm reading this, I believe that he's inviting us to step into the more of the words that we're reading. And I'd like to start with Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Super powerful. I love this. I read this and I'm like, oh, what is it like to live in a prison? I have never been in a prison. I have never been in jail. Have you? Don't, don't raise your hand. <laughs> it actually is a really fun get to know you question. If you're just wanting to get to know the people that you already know a lot deeper, you just say, have you ever been arrested? Please do, if you have any stories, do share. I have learned the funniest things about people by asking them that question. So I stand before you telling you that I have never been arrested and I've never been in jail. But when I was in college, I went to school in the Santa Cruz area and when I first went to school, it was a new environment. I knew my sister, I knew Lance at Bethany, but other than that, I didn't know a single soul. And they were seniors when we were on campus, so I didn't, wasn't around them as much. And when I got there, you know, you're there for one day, and everyone you know for one day, the history you have is just building day by day. By day two and three, you're like, these are my best friends of two days. And on day three or four, one of them said, hey, do you guys wanna go splunking tonight? And I said, sure, what's that? That gives you a little bit of context for how I was or how I am. Like, yes, I'm up for adventure. What am I saying yes to? So he said, well, Splunking's caving. We're going to go caving up by UC Santa Cruz. There's some um, great caves up there. I'm like, I've never done that. Sounds like fun. And you've done this before, right? Yes, and I trust you all of three days. Yes. So we put glow-in-the-dark stars on our head and a flashlight to try to spread out as much light as possible. And, and I'm thinking, what level of caves it is, because I'd never have done this. So is it like a mountain that just has part of the mountain just kind of carved out, and you're like, oh, I'm in the cave, or I'm out of the cave, you know? Like, maybe it's that, I don't know. And we go up there, and there's um, kind of a mountain, and there's a hole, and he goes, this is where we'll enter into the caves. Oh, we actually enter in, okay. I learn a lot as we're going. We're in there for a minute, five minutes, walking, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, these are really long caves. And then it's forking, we're going left, we're going right, we're climbing down. And you've been here before, right? Oh yeah, you know how to get out? Yeah, friend of three days. And we keep going and, he, and some caverns were big, some were small. He said, up ahead is, we're gonna go through the corkscrew. I said, oh wow, that sounds cool, what's the corkscrew? He said, well, the cave actually gets so narrow that we'll have to put our bodies through this small tunnel, and if you go through straight, you get stuck, because your hips or your um, shoulders will get stuck, and so you have to twist them to keep going through. The corkscrew. I'm like, okay, I've never experienced being claustrophobic, or it's, okay, I'm, I'm, up for, I'm game for this. I don't know what my other options are anyways. And um, I mean, it's dark in the cave, and I wouldn't just stay there by myself, so... 
we get to the corkscrew and someone goes first and yes, it is a small hole and I start looking at the guy who's leading, who's been there before, and he's taller than I am, skinny guy, but has maybe broader shoulders. So I'm like, I think I'll be okay if you can get through it. So the first person goes and yep, they put your hands above your head because as it gets tight and long, you have to have something to keep inching along. Okay, so they go in and I see their feet go through the hole. Okay, you're all good? Yeah, your turn, Candace. Okay. Put your hands above your head, got that, you start going in. I'm in there for a while, it's, as long, it's longer than your body. And then like, oh, yep, I'm stuck, I, I can't keep going. Do you hear my breath? Okay, yep, then that's why you turn. Okay, I can do this, I won't get stuck, you did this, right? I just wanna get out of the corkscrew. I just wanna move my arms, that freedom that we normally have in life isn't there anymore. And I did not like it one bit. And so I'm like, okay, calm down, Candace, breathe. And I just inched, keep going, keep swimming, keep swimming, keep, I mean, just keep going. I make it through the corkscrew and get out. Thank the Lord, I can move my hands, take a deep breath. I did not like that at all. And I didn't know that I had a little bit of claustrophobicness in me. And then I go, how are we getting back? We're gonna go back through the corkscrew. I'm like. Okay, we'll worry about that when we get there. And I've already done it once, it'll be okay. But I can tell you that as I was standing on the other side of the corkscrew, that the Lord did not mean, did not mean for us and create us to live in prisons. I haven't been in prison, but I've been in a corkscrew and that is no place for life. <laughs> to not be able to breathe deep, to move your hands, we were created to live in freedom. Jesus actually gave his life so that we can live in freedom. So for us to live in anything less than, is not what we are created for. And this morning, I want to talk about a few areas that I feel um, in the church that we have become okay with, We're actually sin and areas in our life that we call acceptable or okay and don't address them. Because we know where we're meant to live, and so I just wanna go after this. You guys wanna come with me? So thank you, Lord, for your love and your grace today, because I believe that this journey is going to be a journey of love, because we say yes to you, yes to what you're calling us into. We say yes to more of your love, because we know there's more. Yeah, that your truth is deep, that your love is wide. So I pray that even um, as I speak today, that you would transform us with your love. Yeah, and I pray that you would take us into new levels of freedom, every single person that is listening right now. Amen. We have journeys in life, experiences. Some are good, some are wonderful, some are challenging, some are hard. And our experiences, there are some experiences that cause us to live stunted lives or to um, even reject the grace that's on each of our lives. You know, the, the things, when we experience them, how we respond. If we respond with hardness to pain, or we respond with hatred or bitterness, everything, how we respond affects everything. And this morning, I want to ask us to lay down our judgments and accusations that we hold against ourselves. It's not things that anyone else can see, but there are things that we become accustomed to or we think is okay to treat ourselves. 
and it greatly affects who we are and who we become. I was at a doctor's office and I saw this picture right here. I was looking through a magazine. It was like a woman's world or something. And I see this picture. It says, remember her? She's still there inside of you, waiting. Let's go and get her. And I'm, I'm looking at this and going, gosh, that's so beautiful. I'm, something about that is so inspiring to me. And I'm looking at even longer, and just look at her posture. There is so much passion in that body language, those full arms, the mouth open as wide as she possibly can. Look at her eyebrows and face expression and the cute little chipmunk teeth. I love kids' chipmunk teeth. I love the purity that I see in her expression and her, um, and in it, I think it's the purity that draws me the purity and the freedom with which she's living. And another word that comes to me is unedited. She looks like she's living unedited. And how I have seen that play out is our daughters, when they were younger and they were just at home, we're fun, we're crazy, unedited. Most of the time that's good. Sometimes it's bad. But there is a beauty and the purity of kids just being who they are. And I look at that and I'm like, Oh yeah, sometimes I just start living so aware of all the ramifications or what people think that I actually edit myself before I live. What if we went back to a little bit more of the core of who God has created us to be and live from that space and not worry so much about what everybody else is going to think or what's gonna happen? Mind you, I'm not saying don't be aware. But there is something that, when I look at this, I'm encouraged and inspired. Let's go even more. So this morning, I just wanna ask us to lay down some of the things that might be going on internally that um, are, we consider normal. It could be just critical things. It could be as far as accusations that we have against ourselves and judgments just because of experiences or way we've been treated and we think it's okay to treat ourselves that way. You know the thoughts. It's the way we talk to ourselves. Self-talk. Thoughts like, I can't do this. I can't stand looking at myself. I'm so dumb. I am beyond repair. I always mess things up. How come I'm not like that? I am so fat. There is no hope. I can't get anything right. This morning I'm asked that we just take a break and just lay this down, and I want us to lean into love. I want us to lean into self-kindness and self-compassion. I went to look up, do a little bit of research on the internet, and I was irritated by what I saw. Yes, Google, Google can cause a lot of things. It's information, but information sometimes that stirs up fear, sometimes it's just pure knowledge, and sometimes it's irritation, and this one just bothered me. Because as I'm looking at, into self-kindness and compassion, which I believe the Lord is calling us into and calling me into, and that's part of us living and stepping into another level of freedom. I'm looking at all the research and so many of the articles and stuff were based out of Buddha and Buddhism. Self-compassion is owned by Buddha? I'm like, that is so not true. Yes, that is a hallmark of Buddhism, but I have read more about this in my Bible. And, um, and I wanted to share with you even 
beyond Buddhism into the word of God and truth where you can find that he calls us to live and lean into this level of love. When Jesus was asked in Mark 12, what is the greatest commandment? When the commandments were given, what was the greatest one? And Jesus' response in Mark 12, he says, the important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Out of all of the commandments given way back, this is Jesus' answer, and it's about love. And this morning, I just wanna take a moment just to swim in love. Can we do that? I was in worship here, first service, and just even as I began to worship and give him my love, there was just even a fresh dose of love. And you know what happens when I step into that? There's a fresh freedom that I step into. It's the opposite of the corkscrew. I start to just experience his love. It's like, you're so good and you're so kind and you've always been that way from the moment that I invited you into my life. I was in sixth grade. My mom was attending Bethel Church in Eureka. And she said, I'm going to church and you're gonna come with me. And when your mom says that, you just say, okay. And I go to Missionettes on a Wednesday night, a group for little girls. It's kind of like girl, Christian Girl Scouts, blue sashes, badges. Um, I go there, context is not this crazy, amazing environment for me. The girls, I remember them having purses and all knowing each other. And I didn't know that I should have a purse when I went there and I didn't have a sash. And there was one other girl who didn't um, have any of that as well. And so we got to at least talk to each other. And I'm sitting there and they do their pledge to the Christian flag, pledge, pledge to the missionette flag. And, and there's just a lot to take in. And I just remember sitting there and going, okay, so this is church, you know? I didn't really have a context for it. And at the end, they asked us all to bow our heads and asked if anyone would want to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior to raise their hand. And my arms shot up because I didn't have anything against God and no one had ever asked me if I wanted to receive Jesus. Of course I'd wanna receive Jesus. And so I pray and it's not really emotional. Mind you, the setting was what it was. And I, and I pray and then the ladies, the teachers have really long hair and long skirts and they invited me to come out and, in the hallway and they gave me a little blue Bible with the gospels. This is Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and this is how you're gonna learn about Jesus. And you can start here in your relationship and I can tell you that's when my life was completely transformed. I was never the same because God's love came in when I invited him and changed the landscape of my life. There's nothing like his love. I come from a very dysfunctional home. My dad is on his fourth marriage, and he is a wonderful dad, but there's just been so much brokenness and lots of different step-parents and lots of hard things to work through in my home. I'm a very feisty person. I don't know if you can tell that, but even when we were younger, I remember my first stepmom, and she was very cruel and, you, and, and very hurting, and you know what hurting people do. They just hurt people. And so being a young girl, just there were lots of things from mean looks to cussing to lots of um, just really mean, evil things that happened to my sister and I. My sister has more, is more of an introvert, so she just took it all in and it just crushed her. 
and I just got really hard, and if, if she cussed at me, I just cussed back at her. Like, <laughs> punch me, I punch you. Like, it was just really, um, it was just hard, and that's just how I survived. And when I asked Jesus, when I asked him into my heart, everything changed, and he began to love on each of those hard places, and there were cracks and holes in my heart, and his love just covered it all. And I tell you that I didn't get to move out of my house, I got to live through that step-parent and another step-parent, and I still had to walk through it all, and God's love sustained me through every part of it, and it was, he's so good. There's nothing that's like his love. So when I come in here, and even every time I just step and just look to him and receive even more of his love, I'm like, Lord, there's nothing better than just being connected to you and receiving and giving love back to you. I know that's where our life is at. I know that's our true freedom. And so when I read this, I'm like, yes, Lord, I'm gonna give it all to you because I believe that's just not where our freedom lies, but I believe that's what sustains revival. You talk about experiencing God, but you wanna sustain it, and it's just taking all of this and giving it all back to him. But I think the second is loving your neighbor as yourself. I'm like, okay, I'm good at this, and then I want to do this, and that free flow from heaven through me out. A lot of times we bypass ourselves. Yes, Lord, you're so good in your love for them, for them. And I can believe, I, am, I have so much belief in other people. It doesn't, it's not hard for me. I'm a natural encourager. I can encourage you on anything. You walk amazing. Oh my gosh, look how strong you are. I'll find something and it's just, it's, it's just easy for me. But I'm like, do what am I? Do I treat myself with the same measure that I give to other people is the question this morning. I found this quote. It's not what you say to everyone else that determines your life. It's what you whisper to yourself that has the greatest power. So true. How many people in here are Christians? All of us. Yay, most of us. By the end, we'll all be if we're not. And how many of us would say, oh, yes, we are touching on something this morning, that the measure that I give to other people, do I treat myself the same way? Do I offer myself the same? An average person has 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day. This is average. Some of you probably have a lot more, maybe some less. Of those, 80% are negative, and 95% are the exact same repetitive thoughts as the day before, and about 80% are negative. That tells me that it's really easy for us to get stuck in negative thoughts, that we actually get fixated. And it's not just one person. This is just the average. And we know that our thoughts are important because another level of thoughts when we partner with thoughts and we start confessing them, then you get self-talk. Because thoughts, you don't have to receive all of them. You get them. I get a lot of random thoughts, and I'm like, whoo, don't even look over there. You know, and then there's some like, oh, that's truth. I'm going to grab onto that one. But whatever we're confessing to ourselves is very powerful, and that's called self-talk. And we know words have the power of life and death. What are we speaking over ourselves? That's what I want us to look at and be aware of today. According to a 2016 Weight Watchers survey, the average woman criticizes herself at least eight times a day. 
Women begin berating themselves early in the day, 46% admitting to criticizing themselves at least once before 9.30 a.m. What happens at 9.30 a.m.? We look in the mirror. <laughs> what do we say to ourselves when we look in the mirror? The world is blessed today. <laughs> <laughs> or is it something that's negative that you don't like about yourself? If it's some, is it something that's belittling? And I would say that this isn't resigned to just women. That we live in a very image-based culture. I don't know how many of you have a phone in your hand right now or in your pocket or in your purse. But there are videos, video capacity and photo capacity on that. And we all see ourselves probably more than any other time in history. And they're all very aware and it affects so much um, the stuff that we are comparing ourselves to and the stuff that we're aware of. 42% of women admitted to never complimenting themselves. And this next one is the kicker for me. When I read the next one, it's, it's kind of what hit home of like, oh, we need to look at this, Candace. 89% gave compliments to other women that they wouldn't believe about themselves. How many of us offer things to other people that we do not offer to ourselves? And this morning, I want to talk about the double standard. The double standard that for us to live in full freedom, that we have to be nurturing and receiving for ourselves what we're offering to other people, because it's hard to give away what you don't have. And I'm not talking just becoming lovers of ourselves, because I don't think that that's the end goal. But to have a free flow from heaven, it has to go through us. Not to stop, we don't park there, because I know that being around selfish, self-centered people is the hardest thing because they only think about themselves and they're the center of their universe. So I'm not advocating for that at all. But it's hard to give away what we don't have. Right. Ephesians 4, 25 through 27 in NIV says, therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of one body. This is instruction for Christian living. In your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. As I'm reading this, I just want you to be thinking about if we are to love our neighbor as ourselves, if this is instruction for treating other people, how are we to treat ourselves? And do not give the devil a foothold. The devil is a liar. He's a thief. He loves to steal and we cannot give him any ground. We can't give him any access points. And I believe that the way that we treat ourselves has, is very, very important in our access points and in the doors that we leave open. When I was younger, I mentioned that um, I was a little bit on the feisty side, very fun, full of life, and a little feisty. And I would just have some ideas. I don't know, sometimes it would just be things that would bug my sibling or my cousins, and that I knew would um, have a big response, so I'd be ready to run after I'd do whatever I did to them. <laughs> and, um, and I knew I had to get to a safe place if I didn't want to be tortured. And so I would um, do whatever was on my brain to do, and then I would go run as fast as I could and try to get inside or into a room and shut the door. And I was the youngest of my batch of cousins. And I knew that once I got in a door, if I could shut it all the way, 
I was like, very, I was in a good spot. Like, ah, good luck, you can't get me now, you know? Um, because they were all bigger than me. But if I didn't get there fast enough and you try to shut the door and they put their foot in, you're like, oh no, I am toast because they're gonna drag me out of here because they had just enough access to rip me out. And I look at this and I'm like, do not give the devil a foothold. I'm like, oh yeah, he'll take whatever we give him. And in this area, I believe it's something that the Lord wants to shore up, shore up inside of us, that we don't, even in the internal world, give the devil any place to keep us trapped and living in a corkscrew. Some of us don't realize, why don't I feel like I can take a deep breath? What is it? I'm like, oh, what are we holding against ourselves? How are we treating ourselves? What level of judgment do we have against ourselves? Because someone already came to die for our sins, and we don't need to keep accusing and judging ourselves. When are we going to accept that? Instructions for Christian living continue. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. And lastly, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. What if we were to insert ourselves in that last part? That it wasn't about someone else, but it's how we, um, how we responded and treated ourselves. Be kind and compassionate to yourself. Forgive yourself just as Christ God forgave you. I believe that this would transform who we are and who we are going to be. That simple one act, if we could treat ourselves with Christian instruction, Christian living instruction. <laughs> so as you're sitting there, I would love for you to be able to experience and be a part of what I'm sharing. I would like you to be able to ask yourself while you're sitting there, to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you love about me? It's one thing to hear me sharing what the, what the word says and to inspire or to teach, but you have direct access to the Lord. You don't even need me. And I would just ask you to ask God, what do you love about me? What if we could create new patterns and new pathways of truth in life and not negative and not accusation? Take one moment and ask God, what do you love about me? And just listen. I'm gonna take it one step farther and now I want you to ask yourself, what do I love about myself? Some of this is gonna be easier. Some might be challenging. But I tell you, how can you give away what you don't have? And remember, I'm not, my goal isn't to end here and to stay, like let's just be lovers of ourselves and just be focused on ourselves. I do not believe that's the end goal or healthy for any of us. But I believe it's a very critical part of being receivers and givers of love. So I ask you, what do you love about yourself? I want you to think of one thing. It could be something simple. It could be something deep. I don't, it doesn't matter. It could be, I love how patient I am. I love how strong I am. I love my toes. You have to find something. Do you have something? 
Okay, now I want you to be courageous, and this is not a long conversation. You just tell the person around you, pick one person, tell them what you love about yourself. Put a little action in there. You're gonna learn something about the person next to you. You have to find something. Okay. And if it feels awkward to even think that something about you is lovely, I hope that changes. I hope that we can learn to think of what is lovely about us. Because I believe that's healthy. And there's something good about that. Because then what we're able to do in other people is to love things about them and it comes out of a place of experience, it comes out of a place of practice. That we actually practice what we're giving away. Compassion is the ability to show love, empathy, and care to people who are in difficulty. Self-compassion is simply the ability to direct these same emotions at ourselves and accepting ourselves, particularly in the face of failure. I love how it says in the face of failure, because like I said, I'm an achiever. I love lists just so I can mark them off. Like done, got it accomplished, this is good. What about when I fail and I don't accomplish? That's when I get to see what my real culture is and inside. How dare you, Candace? That is unacceptable. Like really, would you, would you ever be that unkind to somebody else or that impatient with somebody else? That even in the face of failure and mistakes, because we're all human, we're all going to make them. And how are we gonna treat ourselves through that? Because however we treat ourselves, we're most likely gonna treat the people around us that way. So the more that we can grow that in ourselves, it's only gonna grow around us richer and deeper. A couple months ago, I was in the shower and uh, getting ready to shave my legs because I'm kind to the people around me. I was gonna wear shorts, I live in Reading. I don't necessarily do it for myself, just <laughs> part of my duty. So I was getting ready to reach for my razor, soaped everything, get ready to reach, and it wasn't there in the shower. And the backstory on this is Kennedy and Sailor are 17 and 19 years old. And we are very similar in size, shoe size, use a lot of similar products. And as they've gotten older and older, it's become a little bit of an issue of the things that I can't find in our house, specifically my things. And I am pretty consistent and put things in the same spots every day. I know exactly where my keys are. I'm not a person who loses them because they're in the same pocket that they are every day. And I put my purse in the same spot every day. I am pretty consistent. And as I, start, as I got older, I would go reach into that one pocket in my bathroom where I have my fingernail clippers and they're not there. I'm like, well, did I, what did I do? How did I not put them back? Oh, oh my gosh. So I just thinking, I'm getting a little weird. I can't remember where I left them. Maybe I'm just too busy. I need to take my vitamins. You know, you start really questioning, is everything okay? Because this isn't very normal. 
And then, you know, days later, I'd go into the room to do something. I'm like, those are my fingernail clippers. What? Oh, yeah, I borrowed them. I'm like, can you put them back when you borrow them? Because it makes me feel crazy. Like, I didn't put something back. And, oh, yeah, yeah, mom, sure. And then, again, you go do something else, and you're looking for tweezers or something. Like, I can't find it. Well, I must uh, did I leave it somewhere? Did I bring it on my trip and didn't put it back in that spot? And then months later, after you buy your new one, because you can't remember where you left it, and I'm like, is something going wrong in here? Then you find it in their bathroom bag. You're like, can you please put things back where you got them? I am kind, I will share with you, but you make me feel crazy when I can't find my stuff. Oh yeah, 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 I'll get that. Yeah, we'll work on that. Okay, good. So 17 and 19, I mean, they're getting ready to go fly, and I'm thinking, I hope I did my job well, and I'm getting ready to shave my legs, and I go reach for my razor, and it is not there. Are you serious? Who took my razor? Did we not figure this out? I cannot believe this. My girls are so irresponsible. I didn't even do a good job raising you. I had an accusation that they took my razor, and then I created this I didn't even, it just happened. This narrative started flowing out of me of like, poor, poor person, whoever has to live with them next. Like, I, can, I am so sorry that I didn't do my job as a parent. And then I go, you know, I have to go find out after I'm out of the shower and like it's past, time's past, you're not having shaved legs today. And then I'm like, hey girls, just wondering, have, did one of you take my razor? No. You or you, neither one of you? No, no, are you sure? Could you have taken it and forgotten? No, no. Okay, well, if you remember or find it somewhere else, please let me know. Do you think one of your friends could have accidentally took it? (laughs) I don't think so, I don't think so, okay. Hmm, they don't even have the decency to be honest about it. Like, okay, I'm mature enough not to let that out, but I'm just being honest, that was going on inside of me. So. I let it go, I have a travel razor, I got it out of my bag and I used that for a while, but I'm really bothered by how irresponsible the kids are that have come out of my womb. (laughs) And I didn't do a good job as a parent. And weeks later, weeks later, I go to reach the shampoo and I'm like, wait, what is that? The razor was behind the shampoo. It was in a suction cup on the tile and it fell down. I was like, Oh my gosh, it wasn't my daughter's. (laughs) You mean you're not irresponsible and I don't have to worry about who's gonna live with you next? Like my accusation had so much narrative about who my kids were that it felt foolproof to me. And I think about that one experience and how many accusations do we have against ourselves, and we think foolproof. Oh my gosh, I so buy into that. I am not enough. I can never do anything. Because we believe, we buy into those accusations and judgments. And this morning, I just want to ask that we lay them down. No more, no more of this. And I believe that if we can lean into those and even ask God, ask Father God, Lord, are there any places in my life that I have judgments against myself or even areas of unforgiveness? Because you know that when we, when we introduced Sozo here years and years ago, I remember Fred Drury came and taught on it, being saved, healed, and delivered. We were all practicing and doing different um, meetings and prayer times with people and walking through, Holy Spirit, when did this start? The areas where people felt trapped or stuck. 
And I tell you more than not, like high percentage, maybe up into the 90%, this is just me thinking and my own experiences, but a high percentage of them all rooted down, this all began, well, this happened and it was hurtful and I still hold this against that person. Or this happened and this is how I responded and I still don't give myself grace or forgive myself for that. And all of that created them to live tighter and tighter in a corkscrew that they got stuck in. And I just wanna invite Holy Spirit now to just show if there's any places in our own lives that we are stuck like this. Because I believe that he wants, he has new places of freedom for us to stand in and enjoy. Why don't you stand with me? Mark 11, 25, 26. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, including yourself, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither your Father in heaven forgive, will forgive your trespasses. When we're gonna step in new levels of freedom, it's not just receiving and giving love, but it's also forgiveness is key. That we receive the forgiveness that was given to us and we offer it freely to ourselves and those around us. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your love. We say yes to your love anew and afresh. And I thank you that forgiveness is free. Like you paid the price, Jesus, that we're not gonna stop and hold it. And I pray if there's any areas in our life that are stuck by unforgiveness that you would show us right now. If there's anything that we hold ourselves against that we're not letting go of, I pray that you'd show us. And if the Lord shows you anything as simple as saying, Lord, forgive me for holding this. I release forgiveness, the same forgiveness that you give in me, I release it to myself. And even putting on your lips specifically, I forgive myself for when something happened or how you reacted. That is how we get free. We don't hold it. So I ask for that level of freedom, God, and that you'd give us eyes to see you and the courage to face you in hard places and even areas that we failed or made mistakes because we don't wanna hide from you. Yeah, and I pray for every person here, Lord, that your love would cover them. Yeah, and that it would be fresh. There'd be a fresh measure of your love and your forgiveness today that would tenderize their heart just like when I experienced your love for the first time, it tenderized every part of me. Yeah, amen, amen. I wanna leave you with um, a couple fun truths and compassion to partner with when you look at yourself in the mirror tomorrow morning. I am his delight and worthy of his love. What if we said that when we looked in the mirror? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God loves me and I love myself. The and is good. I like how God made me and you fill in the blank. Strong, peaceful, sensitive. His banner over me is love. A lot of us walk around with different banners, banners of rejection that we put on ourselves. What if we decided to partner and walk underneath God's banner of love? I can do all things through him who strengthens me and with God, nothing is impossible. I do my best and I'm good with that. That's all we can steward and sometimes it's not enough. But that's all that God asks us to do is do our best, give our whole hearts. And are we okay with that? I do my best and I'm good with that. If you're a parent of teenagers, that's your, that's your truth. 
I am aware of the grace that God has given me and I walk in it. There are lots of graces on people's lives. Are you aware of the one that's on your life? And do you reject it? Or do you go, I'm actually gonna walk in it. I'm aware of it and I'll walk in it, God. I am forgiven and I forgive. That's what free people do. Last one, I am free to be who, all who God has created me to be. That is you, church. You should be, we should be some of the freest people on the planet. We say yes to him and we freely receive and we freely give. We are not a stopping place. And my last question that I wanna leave you with, what is one thing that I can do to be more kind to myself? I love you, Bethel. Bless you. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This weekly podcast is being translated into multiple languages. Please visit podcasts.ibethel.org.